previously on Just Cow in the City. When somebody died, I go, <laughs> you're kidding, right? I'd like to think at my funeral, it'll at least be some quality comments. <laughs> He's watching the guys put dirt on his brother's grave, and I'm like, how are you? He's the only guy in the entire theater of the show that sneezed. I'm Brenda Vicar. I'd like to speak about something he's a great deal to me. <laughs> Feminine protection. Hello, all my friends, to the show that never ends. And the life we lead continues to push on. We've all had a rotten day, so what's Just Gal gonna say? He hopes to take a moment of your time. To make you feel much better when you hear about his day. A little magic power makes your problems seem okay. If you're looking for action and nothing that's new Just Gow in the City is the podcast for you If you like listening to things that no one else would do Just Gow in the City is the podcast for Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Go in the City, February 2024 edition. That's a lot of 20s in there. Nice to be here. Nice to be back in my uh, the cozy confines of my bedroom as I look out the window on a beautiful day in New York City, except very, very chilly, very windy and chilly, which is fine because it is February, but it's a nice sunny day after a nice big snowstorm some sort of snow last week that blanketed the city and the outskirts to everybody's happiness. And then, of course, everybody gets angry uh, an hour after it stops. But whatever the case may be, and it might snow tomorrow, but uh, we are here and we are queer and get used to it because there is no confirmation that I am not gay. (laughs) Get used to it. Anyway, folks, oh my goodness, so great to be here because I'll tell you, what a crappy day so far. <laughs> I'm saying it's a nice day, but, uh, you know, my day off today, and thanks to that douchebag who backed into me or hit me, it's kind of funny, right? You're sitting there, you're minding your own business, and somebody hits you or, you know, just messes up your day without you doing anything, and that's me. Dave Juskow saying without me doing anything. Everything that's bad in my life usually is my fault. But I did nothing except sit there with my brakes on and everything working, and the guy just slammed right into me. You already know that already. But this time, you know, now I got to take the car for servicing, right? I got to get an estimate, all that stuff, because the guy, I I don't have a regular garage with the ones I'm going to do. I don't want to have to, whatever it costs, pay for it and then get the check. That's not going to work for me. So I just want to go wherever they tell me to go where I don't have to do anything. 
And there's a lovely place, I guess, if you want to call it lovely. I mean, it's such a goddamn dump. I'm telling you, getting your car serviced in Manhattan or Queens or Brooklyn is just stupid. This is why I like going to Jersey. You always wonder, why do you get car fixed in Jersey? Because Jersey is clean, it's big, it's nicer. Manhattan is so gross. I mean, what is my problem that I didn't take a picture of this dump? You know, there's nowhere to park your car to even go in and say, hey, I'm here for the, the checkup or whatever. I mean, it's just it's just the worst place to live and have a car. And, and maybe just both things at this point. So I have to go all the way up to 94th Street. You know, I live in the 50s. I got to go all the way up to 94th Street. But remember, my car is on the west side. So I got to go get my car. Then I got to bring it to the east side in the 90s. And then it's just, oh, my God, what a pain in the ass on your day off. You know how that is. Anytime you got to do something on your day off, just really sucks. And I do, as you know, work pretty goddamn hard at this point in the sense of uh, having three jobs that I do. So uh, you guys get it. And you have one day off and you're just like, well, I got to be bothered by this. And then, you know, you call them that place and it's not like they're going to be nice to you because they they are working for the other company technically. But I mean, no, I, I make things nice. I make everybody laugh So because I'm sure they're dealing with so many jerk offs. They're like, well, you have to come here. You get an estimate. You hang around. You know, they'll take some pictures. And then you take the car back. And I'm like, I got to take the car back? Can't just leave it there for a week? No. Because that's the other thing. As you know, you can't leave your car there. Once they tell you to pick up, you got to pick it up right away. What do you think I love that Jiffy Loop for? They They think it's hilarious that I just leave it there for two weeks. You know, for free. They don't give a shit. They don't charge you $20 a day. I mean, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? So how am I supposed to pick up that car? They close while I'm at work. You know, I'm at work when they open, and I'm at work when they close. How am I supposed to pick it up? I mean, there's no issue yet. I'm just saying you can feel it, and you're like, why am I put out by somebody hitting me? That's what kills you the most when you think about it. Why am I put out? Because this guy sucks. And it's really just a small thing. You know, thank God the car's still right. But they would have given me a rental car. Maybe I should have asked for one, but who cares? But what am I going to do with my car? What am I going to do with it? I mean, it drives and everything, so everything's fine. What am I going to do? Where, 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 where am I going to park that? You know, because my car, they, they won't let me park it at the garage. So that it's going to be an even worse scenario. So that's what I had to do today. I had to get up early. And, of course, I didn't get any night's sleep because I had buffalo wings last night. And I'll tell you more about that in a second. I didn't get any sleep. So I was just watching TV. All night, and then I tried to sleep for another hour. And I'm like, well, let me do the podcast before I go. But there was <laughs> that wasn't happening. So I'm like, well, I got to get, I got to leave at 11. I got to, you know, they made an appointment. I'm like, I don't know, noon. I don't know. I didn't want to make it later in the day because I'm like, what, how's that going to mess up my day? That's right. I'm not leaving the car. Then, then do I got to bring it back? Oh my God. But no, I want to leave from my neighborhood tomorrow because I think now I changed my plans. I'm going to work at my mom's tomorrow all day. You know how that sucks because I got to wake up at five in the morning and then get there. And uh, so I can go out with Russ Maneev and my friend John from uh, United Airlines. We're finally getting together. The guy's feeling better. You know, he's got a lot of medical issues. He got punched in the face. United Airlines, you know, this guy. And he always hooks me up, and I want to take him out. And I've been saying, when, you know, when are you free? When are you free? Let's get together. His birthday passed. I ain't going to take him out. He's feeling better now. So he's like, what about Saturday? I'm like, well, I guess I can do Saturday if I go to my mom's or whatever. I don't even have to go to my mom's because I'm finished at four. I could technically then leave for Jersey, but for some reason that freaks me out. 
leaving that late. I like leaving at 5 in the morning. There's not going to be any traffic. I mean, I hate leaving at 5 in the morning, but there won't be any traffic. And I can just get down there, work the day. I mean, I know I'll be exhausted. But then, you know, this guy lives on the same road my mom lives on, or 15 minutes away. So it's just so convenient after 4 o'clock. It's not convenient anytime before four o'clock it's a nightmare and the logistics and i'm like well if i don't have to bring the car back all the way to the west side and i could somehow park it on my block which is really difficult to do on just a friday afternoon but wow i went around a couple times i'm like i know i'm gonna have to bring it back i know i'm gonna bring back sat in the car said well should i just park it across the street it's gonna cost 34 dollars and probably more because it's a van if i pick it up at five in the morning and i drop it off now and i'm like i hate paying money when I have a garage that I pay monthly for. You know what I'm saying? I know you can understand. I know we talk about money a lot here, but I'm, and I am talking about nitpicky stuff, but I'm just, I guess what I try to explain to you on Just Scout in the City is how difficult it is to live in this city sometimes. And it's just not like, I mean, we all have money issues and stuff like that, but don't you feel like even if I was a millionaire, I'd still be like, do I really got to pay an extra money when I have a parking garage in the city? You know, that's got to go through your mind. Otherwise, you know, you're MC Hammer and you're going to build a gold house, you know, if you're not thinking that way. And then I say to myself, what am I talking about? I just paid $20 for a cup of coffee. Oh, because there's a pretty girl now. You fucking kidding me? I'm an idiot. Why did I just pay the $34 fucking dollars, which is, of course, going to end up being $40 or something like that. But I'm going crazy. So I keep going around like a couple of blocks and stuff. And I finally actually found a space. Couldn't believe it. And I'm good there till tomorrow morning. So that was good news and that made me happy but did it because i think it's supposed to snow tomorrow and i will just die if it snows somehow we're gonna have trouble getting my car out but i always have it parked in a garage except this one day when it decided to snow for the second time in two years oh but yet of course i want that to happen because it's hilarious And it doesn't really affect anything. I mean, God forbid I couldn't get that car out. It's still good for the whole weekend, and uh, I can just work from home and change my plans. So what are you going to right? Right? It's an easy fix. Easy fix. Meanwhile, I can't get in touch with my mother. I haven't been able to get in touch with her for three days. Normally, we'd be worried, but Beth saw her yesterday, so there is no issue. She's just not picking up the phone. Then I text her. I'm like, Rhoda, been trying to reach you for three fucking days. Come on. You know, it's so fucking frustrating. I've told her a hundred times on there. Look at your phone. Check your phone. Check to see if I called. Check to see your messages. Then, because Beth was telling me yesterday, she said, oh, David doesn't call me anymore. You know, I'm, he's not coming once a week and he was coming every other. I'm like, oh my God, what do you want? Then you kicked me out last week when I came over. <laughs> I had to go. What do you want from us, you godless whore? <laughs> yeah. So. That's my day today. Now, I'm supposed to go on a date tonight or something, but I, well, now I'm worried because I got to wake up at five in the morning again. You know, that always stresses me out, so I don't know what to do, and I don't really want to spend any more money because, you know, then I'm going out for dinner. I went out for dinner yesterday. When I, you know, just, I'm, I'm getting very uptight. I'm getting very uptight financially. Yes, I am. And you know how things always uh, wind up for me, and, you know, I get in these spots, and then things get better, and then they get worse. I mean, that's the same thing with everybody. But when you live in this city, you go out, to dinner a lot more than you would if you live somewhere else. It's just the way it is. Like, that's why you live here to, to do that. But that's the other thing. Like any Woody Allen movie would tell you living in, in the city or, you know, his living version of living in the city is always dinner every night at a restaurant or stuff. And that's of course the stuff you grew up on why you wanted to move to the city. And then it turns out 
It's like, wait a minute, living in the city, nothing like a Woody Allen movie. What's going on here? What, has he been lying to us? I thought he was a kid from Brooklyn. And that leads me, as long as we brought it up, to tell you, usually I leave this for the end of the show, but I might as well talk about it now since I brought it up, that I and my friend Lawrence may be the only ones that ha- in, in America that have seen the new Woody Allen movie, Coop to Chance. I saw the movie on Saturday night, last Saturday. My friend Lawrence uh, found a copy somewhere, We and I was able to watch it. It is in French, as some of you may or may not know, or may not even know he had a new movie. I actually called Sarah Silverman and said, I saw the new Woody movie. She just writes question marks back. So I called her yesterday, and I said, yeah, I see you didn't understand. I just She goes, I didn't know he had a new movie. She goes, yeah, he's got a new movie. Everybody's an asshole, and they won't let him put it out. It's supposed to be goddamn brilliant. It, like, won some stuff at the Cannes Film Festival. Well, because obviously the French like it. It's in French. It's got subtitles. The guy speaks fluent French, so he wrote it in French. Meanwhile, the French are apparently angry because they don't speak that way. And then I said, you know, to uh, my friend Lawrence, who was telling me, not, it's not his fault, you know, he's just telling me what the story is about it. And I said, but that's the way, would, nobody speaks the way people talk in Woody Allen movies. That's what we were just talking about. He has a whole different culture and way of speaking. No, you know, it's very rare to just have 30 movies where people just talk about art and, you know, like, oh, you, you didn't see the new Jackson Pollock at the Guggenheim? I, whatever the case may be, I mean, we've, we've, you know, after 50, 60 years, we've come to terms with the oh, Woody Allen the movie and the way it goes. Anyway. I saw this movie. Like I said, they're not releasing it anywhere. You're hoping they're going to pick up a distributor because it's a very good movie. It was very good. So I've seen his last three, which were uh, A Rainy Day in New York, which I've told you was not awful, but it's also awful too. But it's Timothy Chalamet, and he's good. But it's not great, but it's not the worst movie. It's not a Hollywood ending, which may be the worst movie he's ever made, although you could make a case for more. And, but it's not hard, and, and my friend Lawrence and I were both, or he mentioned the word, and I told you this before, lazily directed, because he's a very old man, and that's what it looks like. And I agreed 100%. I said, there's something wrong with this movie, and maybe it's over for him. Then I saw the next one, Rifkin's Festival, where she was already in trouble, so that didn't get to come out anywhere, uh, but I got to see it, and that was awful, really awful, using, which I've already told you, because Louis C.K. and I have talked about this, using Wallace Shawn as leading man instead of Woody. Uh, big mistake. It seems like the right idea because Wallace Shawn isn't in any trouble, but um, it, it was awful, really awful. And now this one, which everybody said was really good, and it was going to be a shame that in America nobody was going to be able to see it, and it was good. It's very reminiscent of Match Point, which, uh, you know, if you like that movie, you would absolutely like this one. The leading woman in it is fantastic. She's so beautiful. I don't know her name. You know, it's all unknown French actors. It's not like maybe they're stars in France. I don't know, but I think it's, you know, but there's nobody that we America would know. And this girl's just absolutely stunning. But again, great casting. Uh, you know, her husband is villainous and awesome and very well made, good, 
well competently directed movie from a guy that every time you think he makes a clunker, which he makes one every year, you're like, well, that's it for him. I mean, I, and it's funny that it happens. That, well, that's it. You know, now because it's like he makes Rickson Festival. Well, okay, that's definitely it because he's too old. And then he makes this. And you're like, damn it. Because he's done that so many times where you're like, it's over for him. I'm talking about this in class, especially the 1980 period, right after Manhattan. He makes Stardust Memories. He makes Midsummer Night Sex Comedy. And, you know, you're like, oh, it's, it's over for him. He's done. I mean, he made these two Amer amazing classics. Then he makes Zelig. And you're like, wow, this is really good. Maybe I didn't appreciate it as much at the time, but then I was explaining to the class how it's like before there was Photoshopping, before 13, 15 years early, before Forrest Gump was able to put Tom Hanks in a whole bunch of photos, Woody Allen was doing it and his team. So that's why that movie is a miracle, a human chameleon. It's a great idea. I just was a little immature when I saw it, but did realize it's, you know, it just wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. And then Broadway Danny Rose, uh, you know, and then Hannah and her sisters. I mean, the guy, you know, every time you think the guy's losing it, he wins over. Then he makes, you know, uh, Curse of the Jaded Scorpion, whatever that was. And then, you know, then he makes Crimes and Misdemeanor. You're like, Curse of the Jaded Scorpion, oh, what a piece of shit. Or he makes Hollywood Ending, and then he makes Blue Jazz. You know, like, it's, it's over, it's over. And then he comes up with something brilliant, and you're like, God damn it, I definitely counted him out. And every time I fall for it, too. Oh, it's over. It's funny how we do that. But the problem is he makes one movie a year. So he just cranks them out, even at this age, one movie a year. And you're just like, oh, it's, it's, it's funny how we just always say it's over. It's over. It's got to be over. Uh, you add in the age and then you're like, it's definitely over. But anyway, if you do somehow get a chance to see it, it's out there. If you go on the dark web or whatever, America doesn't want you to see it. But I'm telling you. I mean, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it was very entertaining. It's, is it, uh, I, I was upset with the subtitles only in the sense of, I don't mind reading subtitles. It's like, I just wanted to stare at the, the lead woman. She's so beautiful and a really good actress. I just wanted to look at her. So in that sense, it's a bummer to have to read the subtitles because you just really want to stare at her and, and watch her act. And, uh, <laughs> so there is the but really good and the ending is good in the sense of the title of the movie and there's a lot of good questions about it and this guy can you believe it i think he's going to do another one because this one was so well received not here but the rest of the world that uh, seems to be okay you count this guy out in the sense of what he's done or whatever and what mia farrow and their daughter can accused him of and they're, they're, again there's you have to take sides because he says it didn't happen. He has another son who says, I was there. It didn't happen. And then you have these two that make a documentary saying it happened. And it's weird because, you know, I've been watching a lot of Michael Jackson stuff lately. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forget how much I enjoyed and loved and worshipped Michael Jackson. And how I was even teaching to the class, like, how great Michael Jackson was and how he changed everything. And watching that thriller documentary. And last night I saw the We Are the World one. I'll tell you about that in a second. But. I watched that four-hour documentary on him raping little boys. Why does that one... That, that, well, you know what? That's why I didn't watch the Mia Farrow one. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to let my view of Woody Allen be tainted. Now, with Michael Jackson, we all knew something was going on there for years. But with Woody, I mean, the problem is if he hadn't married his stepdaughter... This probably would have just passed, but then, you know, obviously he has some sort of history about it. And obviously Mia Farrow is pretty goddamn angry 
uh, when they found all that stuff out. So I don't know. I don't know. Sarah and I talk about this all the time. She's like, I am so conflicted on how to handle this. What do you do about a, a guy? Now, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. What, you know, what do you do? But somebody like Mel Gibson, if you liked his movies, and now you realize he's a raging anti-Semite, do you root for him when he's making a comeback? No, you just don't. But, and we have proof of all that stuff. So it's very difficult when some, Will Smith, great example, Will Smith. I hate that motherfucker more than anything, and I hate his stupid wife, Jada Pinkett, who led him to this level. I used to be a, a major Will Smith fan. I, I, I just thought he's the greatest. I just think he's so funny and talented and a really good actor, and now I just I never want to see him ever in a movie, on a talk show. I'm so angry at the... Uh, Academy for even not doing any, uh, not doing enough. Oh, banning him! Now to take that Oscar back, fuck him. That we all watched that happening. This isn't like behind closed doors where we have to make our own opinions. My own, our own opinions is that Will Smith is a fucking asshole. And if you're taking another side, it's like taking Hamas's side. There's hostages over there. You're angry about us trying to get them out. You fucking weirdos. Look how the podcast turned. But it's seriously, who, what, you're going to get, you're going to take Will Smith's side? He's a piece of shit. I'm a comic. I don't, I'm not as close with Chris Rock as I am with my other friends, but I like Chris Rock. I've spent time with him. He's a very shy, very nice boy. Didn't, he's doing comedy, man. He's like, he, he don't deserve that. I mean, he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. I mean, obviously he's, combated it you know in his comedy and all that kind of stuff and he'll rise above it of course but if, if i was i'd still be embarrassed for the rest of my life that this happened i don't want to be a part of that controversy i don't want to be a part of that form of oscar history every time the oscars come up they're gonna they're gonna mention chris rock and will smith and i i wouldn't want to be a part of that so that's what makes even will smith the worst person and now we know for sure after hearing this jada pinkett talk she it has just got a control over Will Smith, and she is the worst person. This is like Michael Corleone getting in trouble for pressing the buttons and 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 you know somebody killing on the orders of Michael Corleone. They're like, well, we know that you murdered people, but on the behest of Michael Corleone. So Michael Corleone, this is Jada Pinkett Smith. She's the Michael Corleone of the Smith family. She definitely pulls the strings. We all know it. She's a maniac and somehow put thoughts in his head that he has to defend her. I mean, this it just pisses me off. But this is the issue with Woody Allen. We have, you know, there is conflicting views. It's not in your face about it. And, uh, you know, you can choose to still worship him as I am going to do for the rest of my life and until proven otherwise. I, I'm going to need another incident <laughs> to really dislike this guy i'm gonna need another incident i'm sorry i'm sorry for all the children out there i'm gonna need one more incident but right now this guy's still the man i was thinking about this in class because i gotta go over hannah and her sisters you know the 80s the 80s i'm teaching a course on the fucking 80s and every movie in the 80s besides about five we don't count star wars and we don't consider that an 80s movie 
suck. In fact, one of the kids asked me yesterday, she goes, Professor, are we ever going to do any like serious films? I'm like, well, I like to concentrate on the comedies, but I mean, what do you want to talk about? I showed you the films so far that have won Best uh, Oscars, the uh, Best Picture in 1980. Do you want to sit here and talk about Ordinary People, Chariots of Fire, uh, Terms of Endearment, all ones you guys have never heard of before that no one speaks about ever again because they suck? They don't. They obviously don't suck. But who cares? I mean, when I just said Chariots of Fire, you're probably sitting there, oh, yeah. Out of Africa, you know what I'm saying? Is this is this what you want? I'm like, this is what you want to concentrate in this class? I'm teaching you a lesson about how much the '80s blow, and then there's a couple of gems. I mean, Hannah and her sisters and Crimes of Misdemeanor come out in the '80s. As does Broadway, Danny Rose. Those are three movies just off the top of my head that were made in the '80s that don't look like an 80s movie they don't feel like an 80s movie except for one scene in Hannah and her sisters that might be noticeable that it took place in the 80s Woody Allen movies survive just like Star Wars where you're like this could have been made at any time and it really is uh, a testament to a director that can be like wow this movie was made in the 80s I would never have guessed that because every other movie that was made in the 80s again besides your Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars Looks like it's been made in the 80s. And E.T. Talking about the Back to the Future. Well, clearly, actually, it's very clear that's made in the 80s because the, the, that's the whole gag of the story. But um, besides the, the highlights, you know, maybe Batman in 1989. That's already the, the end. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of gems. And then there's a lot of fucking crap. And I'm enjoying talking about the crap. And some of the stuff that has become cult because it's 80s and moved to this other level because it wasn't popular when it came out, but now it is. So we had a long talk yesterday about the Blues Brothers, which they all seem to like, the seven people that watched it. Cannonball Run, uh, a lot of people hated it. Great. That's it's like, I didn't like it. I'm like, well, tell me. Tell me why. Why didn't you like it? Tell, you know, Let's have the discussion. This is the fun of the class, you guys. I Don't, be, don't think I'm going to get upset with you because you didn't like Cannonball Run. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a bad grade. This is the fun of talking about something like this. Then they all seem to really like Tootsie. And uh, we were split on Valley Girl. You know, two of the boys, one of the boys didn't like it. One of the boys did. And then I think there were four girls. Now, of course, Billy wasn't in the class. And let me tell you something. As my nephew were talking about, not only wasn't he in the class, but he's the only one that didn't hand in the assignment. About five people didn't come to class yesterday. The campus was a little weird. I don't know whether the snow had something to do with a lot of people getting sick. And they all handed in their assignments. They all emailed me their assignments saying, I'm not going to be in class. Not only didn't Billy hand in his assignment, I don't mind talking about this because I don't give a shit. Not only didn't he hand in the assignment, he um, apparently was supposed to watch with another kid in class. They're like, oh, we're going to do a double feature. And the kid in class who was there yesterday told me, he's like, "Um, I don't know what happened. He blew me off. He totally bailed. We were supposed to watch it on this particular day, and he bailed. So I don't even think he's watched the movie. And apparently, my sister just told me that he told my sister, like, no, it's due next Thursday, which, of course, is not true. It's clearly stated the deadline was February 15th. And that, of course, drives me insane, because what do I do? And I know, Sandra, you've been trying to help me with this uh, conundrum. I said to my sister, what do I do? What do I do with this kid? It's like all the other people come up and they say, oh, professor, I'm sorry. And they've excused. I'm not even getting an email from him saying, oh, no, I messed up or anything. I'm not. 
I've told all the kids, I'm like, as long as you communicate, because remember, there's two kids in the class. I'm like, I, they're like, they haven't taken the first quiz. That was a month ago. And I'm, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, I've put it up. I've opened it up two more times like you asked me to, and you still didn't take it. But at least they come after class and they apologize profusely. And I'm like, I don't want to. I said, I had to give you an F because you didn't take it. I had to give you an F. I didn't want to give you an F. So, oh, can you give me another chance? I'm like, yes, I will give you another chance. You just have to communicate with me. You got to be honest. You can't lie like my nephew's doing. It's just lying. I'm really pissed about it. I, I don't know how to handle it. I, I, I am telling you, I love having him in the class. I love seeing him in the class. I love when he comes into class. I love the kid. I really do. You, I would tell you if I didn't. You know this. I really enjoy his company. I think he's become a swell kid. But this is annoying. And it's bothering me because he has no respect for me in this class. And I said, I wonder if he treats his other teachers like this. And my sister goes, yeah, I think he does. I think he treats everybody the same and just has a lot of excuses and doesn't do any of the work. And I'm like, well, then I should be insulted that he's treating me differently. Or, or not treating me differently. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I would almost respect if he goes, oh, my uncle won't mind. So I wish he would almost do that. And then I would give him a pass because I'm like, I'd probably do the same thing, like I said, if Aunt Judy was teaching. The, oh, she ain't going to mind. Hey, my aunt's teaching the course. I'll be fine. If he was just thinking that way, I think it would make me happy. But I think he's just paying no attention. And that's what makes it worse. And you guys know how much time I've put into these classes. And this is what I try and tell people who are there. I'm like, you guys, the only reason I don't like when you come to class, I put a lot of effort into these things. How can you not tell? I'm doing a two-and-a-half-hour PowerPoint presentation. You think that just shows up on the inst on the internet i can just pull that off somewhere the way i'm teaching it <sighs> it's frustrating frustrating anyway yeah you know what totally forgot about the super bowl god that was last sunday Ugh, couldn't wait for the season to be over i just watched by myself again i did have some plans and i was like i don't i don't I'm not, it's ever since COVID, I've just watched alone and I'm good with that. I just want it to be, and I'm glad because if I had gone out and that first half that was the way it was with no scoring and I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing. And that just pisses me off. And of course I lost because I took Kansas City in the over and the over is 47 and a half and it hit 47 in overtime. It, it, was it kind of a classic towards the end? Yeah, but I want to win. And I was angry. I'm not that angry. And then you know, lose that much. I mean, I had to make some bets, but it wasn't that bad. It just, uh, you know, I want, I, I want more scoring in a Super Bowl. I want more scoring. I want more scoring every day, and everybody does. All of America does. And the stupid Kansas City won again. Now everybody's sick of that. I never really cared before, but now it's like, ugh. <laughs> Not that I cared if the 49ers won either, but it's just like, it's, it sucks when you're like seeing the 49ers, they're, they're right there. And they just keep fucking it up. They they keep going for field goals instead of touchdowns. Now, if I ran that team, I'd be like, yeah, we might not score a touchdown. We, we're going to go for it on fourth down, just like the guy in the Lions did. He was real smart. He knew. He was like, if we want to go to the Super Bowl, we have to just keep playing. There's always been a thing. I saw this unbelievable documentary on uh, Never Punt, I think it was called. And I think I told you about it many years ago on a podcast. But they had a documentary where a high school or college, no, high school, the guy never punted, never punted, and moved their chances of winning up 50%. They just kept going for it on fourth down and took the chance. And um, this guy, if you're going to kick field goals when everyone 
in that stadium and your mom knows that Patrick Mahomes is going to come and score, then you're a fucking jackass. And they should fire that coach. They should fire him for being so stupid. You missed an extra point. You don't think that's going to come back to you when Patrick Mahomes on the other side, then you're a fucking moron. It'd be like, yep, if you have Tom Brady on the other side, same thing. The guy who's proved time and time again, no lead is big enough. Keep scoring touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to cut it. You're a fucking jackass. So, again, I didn't care who the fuck won, but if you're going to play stupid, then you deserve to lose, and you're a piece of shit. Thank you. Look how that came out. Anyway, I made a... uh, lasagna for myself because i figured well that'll last for a couple days it was delicious and then i made some nachos for some reason just for myself just for myself i put it in a, I, I put it in a a tin can as a, like or, or, like a tin baking dish like a very small one that you'd bake like a honey loaf cake in or something and i put and i just did it really quick i put refried beans at the bottom then some sour cream and some salsa and some cheese and i think i forgot a couple of things that i wanted and I just piled it up, and then I bought it in to eat while the lasagna was cooking, and I ate the whole thing. I was like, I don't know. This is delicious. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I was like, oh, I'll just eat half of it now. I'll eat half of it tomorrow, and I'm like, I ended up eating like three quarters of it. God, it was so I, – God, I love nachos. Everybody does, right? I told you about those nachos last week at uh, Kelly's. Why are nachos so delicious? What is it about nachos that are so special? That's just look at this. That's disgusting. It's really Really terrible. Really sad. And it ruins everything else. It does. We have seen a lot of stuff today. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should start thinking about going home, huh? Oh, jeez. Who gets dropped first? Oh, gee, I don't know. Um, Well, well, I live downtown. Yeah, we both live downtown. Oh. It depends on what way you want to go. You know what? I know. Uh, Well, if we took the if we took fifth, then then we get to your house we first, could, yeah? Right. We could do that. Yeah, but fifth is so jammed, isn't it? I mean, well, some jammed time, if we went. Some, this, um, you time. live in Chelsea, don't you? Yeah. Well, I, I guess if you live in Chelsea, that's probably first. Oh, okay. okay. And then April. Right. Naturally, I get taken home first. Well, obviously, he prefers April. Of course, I was so tongue-tied all night. I can't believe I said that about the Guggenheim. My stupid little roller skating joke. I should never tell jokes. Mom can tell them, and Hannah, but I kill them. Where did April come up with that stuff about Adolf Luz in terms like organic form? Well, naturally, she went to Brandeis. But I don't think she knows what she's talking about. Could you believe the way she was calling him David? Yes, David. I feel that way too, David. What a marvelous space, David. I hate April. She's pushy. Now the dump man, she'll invite him up. I blew it. And I really like him a lot. Oh, screw it. I'm, I'm not going to get all upset. I've got reading to do tonight. You know, maybe I'll get into bed early. I'll turn on a movie and take an extra second off. So what I decided to do, which was a huge mistake, I'd been talking about sleep, uh, taking a sleeping pill for a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, well, you always want to do it at the right time. You got plenty of time. So I'm like, well, you know what? I have off on Monday. So I'll take a sleeping pill after the Super Bowl and I'll sleep all day. And it'll be great. All I got to do at night is go to see Paul Lauren at around seven o'clock uh, across the street at that place, that restaurant, more so. 
But you know what? If you have anything planned the next day, you should not be taking a sleeping pill because obviously, I and I knew this would happen. I, I just thought by 7 it would be better. But no, I needed a nap the whole day. I mean, I slept until noon. It was fantastic. So that was like really good because I just hadn't been sleeping, hadn't been sleeping. And you want to, you, you got to take one once in a blue moon or something like a Xanax or something to make you sleep. To I Like I said, I feel like you can catch up sometimes. You got to have your body like fix itself in a good night's sleep. So I took it Sunday night, I don't know, around two in the morning. And I'm like, fuck it, you know, who cares? So I slept until noon, which was terrific. Or maybe... Maybe I went to bed at noon or midnight or one. So maybe I slept 12 hours. But then, you know, you're always, those sleeping pills, like just taking a NyQuil, you know, they last the whole day. So by, I mean, I might have taken another nap for an hour, but I needed another three-hour nap to really get it out of my system. So anything I had to do later was a huge mistake. And then when I got to the bar at 7 o'clock, I was off. Like I could feel, I think I got a little high. And if I was going to drink, even after the sleeping pills, well gone, it, it was a mistake. Uh, and everything worked out fine and everything. It's just like, I, if you have anything to do, you need a weekend. It's like when I used to do a cleanse over the weekend. You know, you don't, you can't have anything to do for two days if you're taking that, my theory, taking a sleep pill. I don't want to be, or definitely you don't want to have plans to go out. I just needed to rest. So it, again, seemed like a good idea at the time, but whatever, I even... I think I even read, did I read that day? I think I read, I I bought a new book at Barnes and Noble, uh, a hardcover book. I think it's called the Gross, the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. So I started reading that. So I had a very relaxing day last Monday, and I'm excited because this Monday, being President's Day, I'll have a nice day off too. So two Mondays in a row, very pleasant. And then it turned out I was working 4 to 12 on Wednesday, so I was going to be able to sleep anyway, but I didn't know that at the time. So we went to, me and Alon went to see Paul Lauren at Morso, and again, I got in a fight with that girl who works there, and then, of course, we worked it out at the end, but, uh, you know, they're morons there. And uh, Alon and I decided we're going to sit at the bar this time instead of getting a table. It was very crowded again for a Monday night. Alon was totally shocked that the people were so old, and I'm like, I did I not say this but it's it's funny until you get there you're just not getting it you know until you see it with your own eyes because it's just weird alan has lived in manhattan his whole life and he's never seen anything like it it's it's my neighborhood it's just full of people now now you know my you know people stay here forever i guess i got here in my 30s and uh (laughs) i was the youngest guy so it was great and then we sat at the bar and then the woman comes up she goes we just want to tell you there's live music tonight i'm like what are you, and I said, what are you, are you, are you joking? What, was there some sort of, and I kept looking at her a lot. I'm like, I think, she, I think she's, and I said, are you fucking with us? And she's like, no, no. And it's a $20 per person. And I'm like, listen, I don't know what your deal is because it, I don't know how many times I made it clear we were there to see Paul. And so it's the second time this happened. I'm like, what is the matter with you? The first time he made our reservation and the second time, we we I told you we're going to sit at the bar because Paul's our friend. And now you're coming up and you're saying, we just want to tell you there's live music while we're watching the live music play? It's not like he hadn't started yet. I said, what's the matter with you? He said, well, some people, they don't understand. I'm like, but I'm 
I'm clearly here watching the And I, I didn't know about the $20 per person, which I still think Paul somehow got wiped away. Meanwhile, the waiter we had last time was the bartender, and he was such a dick. I'm like, I remember you. Your name's Damien, isn't it? I remember you from last time. You were troublemaker then, too. Oh, he was being such a dick. But then, again, uh, you know, he comes around later on, but he was, ugh, that place. It, no wonder I stopped going there. They're all such fucking idiots. And the food's just okay. Oh, my God, what did I order? I, did I have an appetizer? I know Alana, the tuna tartare. What did I? Oh, I had that Caesar salad again because that was fantastic. But I ordered this. I, I felt worried ordering a spaghetti dish at the bar. You know, just sitting there sucking it up in front of people. It's kind of gross. So I ordered gnocchi because that's easy to eat. You know, it goes right on your fork. But it was a salmon gnocchi. And it was kind of gross. For some reason, it seemed like it would be okay. But it wasn't. But I ordered it. And I definitely finished it. So who am I kidding? But it wasn't the greatest thing I've ever had. And, oh, and... um. All these women kept coming and asked me to dance. It was really weird. Like, just like what happened. In fact, it was the same girl who was asking Bob to go. Like, they just kept coming. And they were angry. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I just, you know, when I was with Laura, that was different. I was going up to dance with the girl. I just wasn't. They were really upset that I wouldn't do it. I was just sitting there. I guess they see two men by themselves, and they're just coming up. And my junior high self would have been fascinated by a woman coming and ask me to dance. But, uh. Oh, I just really didn't want to dance that day. I wasn't feeling it like I was last time. And the dance floor wasn't as packed as Saturday night was that time we were there. So it was just like, you know, a couple people. And it was very uncomfortable. And Alon was just laughing at me that they were just coming to me because I was in front of him. So I guess they didn't bother with, maybe they knew he was married. He kept showing his ring. So <laughs> I don't know. It was really, really weird. And then, I ran into the old HR director at my job who quit when they promoted me. <laughs> like he was like, I'm telling you, this is a huge mistake hiring this guy, you know, promoting him. He's an idiot. And he's like, I'm not being responsible for this. I'm quitting. And I guess he was right. Uh, but it was actually nice to see him. And, and we hugged and uh, talked for a little bit. Uh, you know, we didn't really get along very well at my old job. He didn't like me because, you know, no HR people really like me. I'm, I'm problematic for HR. Uh, as actually what happened, uh, I wasn't sure if I should tell you, but uh, eh, I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. It's just something, there's another incident, and it's so funny and so stupid, but uh, I'll, I'll wait a couple of weeks. Let me, let me think, you know, remember, uh, sometimes they, they get angry if I talk about it, but why shouldn't I? I didn't do anything wrong. Anyway, I still have my job. That's the important thing. Anyway... Seeing this guy, I think he, he put a curse on me when he hugged me and something happened the next day at work. It was really weird, really weird that I see the old HR director. But um, again, you know, when I see these people from work and the way I was fired and I keep running into them little by little, I ran into one of the other attorneys in my neighborhood the other day. Uh, it is nice to see everybody. I'm still obviously very embarrassed the way I was let go and I'm still friendly with the people I'm still friendly with, but... It's not, I mean, I knew these people for very many, many, many years, you know, so I'm surprised I hadn't run into this guy previous. He was just sitting at the table right behind me the whole time, and we locked eyes, and it was really weird, um, but not horrible. And, of course, uh, Stupid Petrix was on that night, and that was, it was obviously on Sunday, which I watched before the Super Bowl, but I wasn't on that one. Monday night, I was completely on, 
Hopefully you've seen that one. I can't remember what it's called, but it's episode two. And that's the one, if you saw my post, uh, where I'm the talking dog and the Damone bunny rabbit at the very beginning. Hey, he's got a car. This guy's all right. Something like that. So hopefully you've seen that. They also sent me a package. Oh, I guess I could take a picture. I took a picture of the box for the bonus show. Um, Sarah's manager goes, hey, what's your address? Uh, the stupid Petrix wants to send you a box. And it's a box of pet stuff, which is yeah, good. But there's a, there's a, a nice, a really nice T-shirt I'm going to give to my sister because it's a size small. And then there's, you know, just dog stuff, dog food, dog bowl, dog and pet stuff that I don't need. So I don't, I, I feel bad throwing it out, but uh, I don't know, maybe just keep it until I have another animal or an, or an animal comes over. You know, it's always probably good to have a dog bowl around and it says stupid Petrix on it. It's kind of cool. I just, I wish, I wish my cat was still alive so I could use some of the stuff. They have a whole apparatus that you could set up with cones and stuff. It's, it was a big box of stuff. It was fun to get. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know I'm in a couple more episodes, but I know that number two had me in two. Meanwhile, I didn't see my name at the end of the credits. It's like they're not putting the voice actors at the end of the credits. That's weird. That was a little disappointing because I definitely looked. So I don't know what that's all about. I should have mentioned that to Sarah when I talked to her yesterday, but she was in the middle of a photo shoot. So I should be lucky she picked up it all. And I told her about the Woody Allen film. She didn't know about it. And I said, well, you got to see it so we can discuss it. See what you think. And you know, that day also, this guy who's uh, an agent, he's a comedy agent, this guy named Mike. I don't know. I, I've probably met him before, but I mean, what a guy. This guy, he is the one that books people on tours. Like, So he'll take Rachel, I guess. I, I assume now I know for sure he definitely works with Rachel and say, hey, you're booked at the St. Louis Chuckle Hut you know, tomorrow. So he makes that. Th- that's what he does, right? So he goes, Dave, hey, my name is Mike. I would I would like to send you and Alon to Billy Joel uh, this Friday when he does the new song live for the first time. Because thank you for your podcast as as hard work for your pocket. I love the podcast. I would like to get you guys tickets to go see the show. And I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, that is so nice. And I called Alon. He goes, I have a spot at the cellar. I'm like, you suck. And I told that guy I would like to go, but Alon has a spot at the cellar. And I didn't think it would be right to say, I'll go by myself and take somebody else. It had to be the two of us or nothing for me because it just would have been, it wouldn't have been right. I mean, that would have been something else. And then the worst part is, you know, Marcy's coming into town. She was kind enough to buy Manalon tickets. And of course, it's on a Thursday night. I cannot go. I got to teach my class on Thursday. And apparently that night, which would have been also awesome for us to go to since it's all winding down. They're filming that night on, I believe, March 28th or 29th as a CBS special that they're going to air in April. So, yes, we will be able to see it, but now we're not going to be at the TV taping, which we were supposed to be. And, again, now it's all my fault. So I said to Alon, well, now we're even. But this guy, Mike, was so nice. He's like, well, anytime you need tickets. And I'm like, wow, thank you. That's very sweet. And I said, well... There is one thing you could do for us. Get us Billy Joel. <laughs> and then he didn't write back for a while. And I'm like, I went too far. But then he wrote back. He was obviously busy. And he goes, he goes, dude, I wish I was the guy that could bring you Billy Joel and have him on. I wish I could be the guy. But uh, I could guide you in the right direction. And, you know, you could take a shot. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good. 
So maybe there's a chance after all this, since Billy Joel's changing the way he does stuff, thanks to us, maybe there is a chance that this three-year journey does end with Sir William Joel at the end of the podcast, right? I mean, then, then we've done everything we were supposed to do. We, it, we need that culmination, and so hopefully that'll work out. But that was really nice. I don't think he listens to this podcast, but I wanted to bring it up in, in case. And obviously, I'll bring it up on Billy Joel. But wow, it was really nice. Because then uh, Rachel uh, talked to me, and she's like, "Hey, did that guy? I heard he got you tickets." And I'm like, "Oh, we just couldn't go." <laughs> Alon and his stupid comedy. What an asshole, right? Can I help you? Yeah, I uh, come to see the show. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. No one will be seated after the doors are closed. It helps maintain the illusion. Ah, I understand. Uh, Miss Watson, she's a friend of mine. She asked me to come. But not to come late. Yeah, Tuesday it snowed in the city. It was very nice. Then we did the show at the studio with Chanel. What did you think of her as a guest? I thought she was all right. And then I just uh, went out. She, I, I was going to take her out after, but then uh, she had to go. So I just uh, went to the bar by myself. Uh, it was really, no, nobody was in town. Everything was quiet. So it was very pleasant. I had a couple of drinks, and then I walked home. It was a very pleasant evening on Tuesday. The city was empty because they told everybody not to come in or not to drive, and everything was empty. That's why I was so mad at her. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? They, first of all, you, you know, being late just sucks. I'm like, the show's live. You do TV. How could you be late? It's like, oh, the, it says I'm going to be. I mean, I said all this on the show. It says I'm not going to be there by six. I'm like, it says. Don't, why are you taking an Uber? You know, leave a half hour earlier knowing full well that you need to get down. You know, you know this kind of stuff drives me nuts. And she's the only person in all this time we've been doing it who's been late. The only person. And I don't know her. I can guarantee. Well, I can't guarantee, but I'm hoping... Um, I guess next week, Harm, uh, tonight, Harmon will be on time. And uh, I hope. Otherwise, then, uh, you know, apparently there's a problem in 2024, everybody being late. But uh, that all being said, I want to tell you that my friend Mike Sauter wrote to me uh, last week when I was talking about the Different Strokes episode with that guy. And if you saw the bonus show, you saw that I showed it to you. I mean, tell me that wasn't the greatest. If you saw the bonus show that they just have the wide shot of the, the cop and the ventriloquist dummy, why not? <laughs> Man, you can't talk to strangers. Why not? It's called Stranger Danger. Stranger Danger. <laughs> I, I was listening back and I was laughing myself because I'm doing a pretty good imitation of the, of the dummy. Why not? <laughs> that guy sucked. But it was the best. I guess Mike was listening and he wrote me and he goes, the reason why Dixie Carter wasn't on a season eight because she got replaced, you know, Mr. Drummond remarried and I guess season seven with that woman and her son, the redheaded kid, Sam, which was Dixie Carter, who went on to do Designing Women, of course. And he, she remarried. So in season eight, she was replaced by Marianne Mobley, um, you know, but still playing the same character. And they, they just never like a Darren and Bewitched. And so Mike wrote me that the reason she left was because her and Gary Coleman uh, used to lock heads 
uh, on the set of Different Strokes. Yes, Dixie Carter and Gary Coleman apparently could not get along. And I said to Mike, I'm like, Mike, that might be the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Her and Gary Coleman didn't get along on the set. Can you even imagine? What are you going to say to Gary? Because shut up. <laughs> if you're Dixie Carter, even you're like, shut up. You're a fucking child. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> even though it's his show. <laughs> what, what, could, what problem could he have with Dixie Carter? Unless she was just going like, well, look at you. You're just a little short man, aren't you? I mean, it's just so goddamn stupid. The, the in-house fighting on different strokes. Are you kidding me? That's the best. The best, Jerry. The best. Finally, I'll just tell you that this morning, uh, everybody's been telling me about this We Are the World documentary on Netflix, which I believe is called The the Greatest Night in Pop Music History, something like that. It's on Netflix. I don't have Netflix anymore, so I had to go to the Coupe de Chance way of uh, finding it, but I watched the whole thing. I was very excited to see it. Everybody's been telling me. But the funny thing is, like I told you about Thriller, the 40th anniversary of Thriller, that was a much better documentary, a much better documentary much more well done, uh, much more informative. And I told you, I knew everything already, you know, minus maybe two things. I learned the thriller thing. I knew everything. I retained it in my head from the 80s because I was fascinated by this kind of stuff. Absolutely fascinated. Maybe the research I've done over the years once the internet started on that kind of stuff, I just knew everything. And I felt the same way with We Are the World, let alone that it had already been a making of We Are the World, I don't know, Years ago, you know, I mean, even the music video, I think when it came out, they had a making of in 1985. So I'm like, well, where's there going to be new footage? There wasn't. So everybody's talking about this. We are the world thing. But I already knew everything. I already knew everything. And yes, do they have new interviews with, which is pretty goddamn cool, with uh, Lionel Richie, Bruce Springsteen, Cindy Lauper. Yes, they have new interviews with them now, and, you know, who's still alive. Uh, but there was nothing new that I learned uh, from this documentary. I, I, I enjoyed it a little, but it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it stays in this room. They give you a little background, and then it's just all in this room. It's it's a, it's, it's not good. It, I mean, it's not bad. See, we, I mean, if you don't know what I know, then it's probably very entertaining. Everybody else seems to enjoy it. I was like, I've already heard all of these stories minus, like I said, two things. Like, I might not have known about Cindy Lauper's bracelets making a, a big deal, but I knew everything else and all those little stories. I certainly knew about Prince not showing up and all that kind of stuff. And it just wasn't informative enough for me. And I didn't like it as much as I enjoyed that thriller 40th anniversary one, which was really good, both um, dealing with uh, Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. Really fascinating, those two. And, and Lionel Richie, I, I, well, I did not know that Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson had known each other since, you know, the 60s because uh, they were both on Motown. Uh, I always thought there was a great rivalry there 
but which maybe there was, but they also really liked each other a lot, and it was kind of fun hearing Michael's quirkiness always and stuff like that, but the kid, as now these two documentaries have proven, was a genius, uh, and, and an odd musical genius, because both documentaries, in deep description, explain that he doesn't play an instrument, but he would hum everything into a tape recorder or whatever and 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 be like almost autistic about the humming and and every part of it and combine it together without playing it and everybody keeps saying the kid was brilliant because he knew exactly what he wanted he just couldn't play and that's kind of interesting that's i mean I'm not i am not comparing myself to michael jackson but that's the way i write songs and the whatever incarnations my band and the, the the Wonka thing or the Cars movie, the song that I wrote, that's what I do. I hum into an old-fashioned tape recorder. I guess I don't have to do that now because I haven't written a song in a long time. And then fortunately get these guys to put it either into sheet music or, you know, play a, a demo. But that's all I've ever done is hum and and sing the lyrics into, you know, a tape recorder and doing this just in my bedroom, just writing music and and putting down a couple of bass chords is best I can do, but I can't play. I could play a couple notes on the piano. I'm sure Michael Jackson could do that too and and write a couple of notes on sheet music and that I could usually give them the bass line and and that was about it. But yeah, I used to hum. And that's before I knew Michael Jackson did that because that was the only way I could get a tune across that was in my head. I have so many songs I've played into my phone and in my head for so many years, I used to just hum it. I used to put it into my answering machine, just the way uh, what that idiot from uh, John Tesh used to do, do uh, for that NBC, uh, what was it called, Red Rock Bowl or something, that, that, the famous one that, that, that he has on video where, he's like, where he actually plays the answering machine. Special bonus for you folks. I have brought the original answering machine tape with me so I can play it for you. I know you are dying to hear it. Hi, this is a message for me about the NBA theme. Here's an idea. It goes like this. And I didn't even know that's what they were doing. It just had to get it out of my head. And they're like, well, maybe someday I'll need this song. So it made me feel good. I'm like, well, that's the way I write music. Maybe I can write a thriller album, even. Maybe I can exit stage right, even. Maybe I can write a snagglepuss. Is it snagglepuss? Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Exit stage left. Oh, so last night... Uh, after class, we, uh, me and Evan and Glenn went to this place. We had a plan, uh, which was open, you know, for, I think they serve until midnight, wings called Sharkies. Sharkies. No, it's called Sharkies, but I can't stop saying it like Woody Allen. Or add a machine to the end of it, and then, you know, the Burt Reynolds classic, Sharkies machine. Uh, so it's called Sharkies in Clifton. 
And it was so different than any place we've ever been because it was, I'm going to say 50-50 black and, you know, white, uh, which is always noticeable to me. And people just sometimes they won't mention it, but I've told you this before when I went to Atlanta that one time years ago and went to the restaurant with these two girls who live in Atlanta, grew up in Atlanta. And I'm like, hey, what is their special tonight? What is their church getting at or something? You know, because there's all these black people in it. And it's funny how we, we don't, and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, why are there so many black people at this restaurant? You don't notice it. Again, I don't know how many times I get to say it's racist, prejudice, it's not. It's just an observation in this city that we find ourselves, oh, we're so diverse here. We're not. You, it's very rare to see a restaurant, even in New York City, half black, half white. You know, maybe there's a black couple or a table of blacks, but I, blacks, that sounds hard. But it's a thing, man. I'm just telling you. And that's why it was noticeable going. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of black people here. <laughs> like, it's just, what are you going to do? It does, it, it's, it's noticeable. But just like when you go to Boston, where there's not one. Uh, maybe now they're you know, 20 years ago. I'm like, what is, I can't put my finger on what is weird about this place. <laughs> there's not even a Latino in this place. It's weird. So anyway, this place, the wigs, they were phenomenal. We also had uh, clams, I think, uh, roasters, which were phenomenal. We were just sitting at the bar. Forget it. I can't get beers anymore at the tap. All they have are IPAs. Sam Adams, you can forget about that. It's that stupid fucking cold snap, whatever the fuck that is. All they got on tap now is IPAs, IPAs. What the fuck? Apparently, they're cheap. And that's why they have, now we've decided, because I didn't get one ounce of stomach ache. I had two Coronas from the bottle. I can't even have a goddamn draft beer anymore. Nobody has the kind of beer I like. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't understand why. I'm the only one who drinks uh, an amber-like beer. I don't want an, a Guinness and a Yingling. That's disgusting. So, I mean, ugh. So, I had two Coronas. No stomach issues. I know those IPAs are causing problems for me now. Now I know for a fact it is definitely the IPAs. I almost want to have one again just to prove my point. But no, IPAs suck for me. And they pretty much suck in general. So take your IPAs and shove it, all you microbrewing companies. Just fucking make regular shit beer, you know? Jesus Christ, so fucking annoying. So anyway, the, the waitresses were extremely cute there, which was odd also because it's such a... We, we got video. We got video. You want to see the bonus show because this was fascinating. Everybody just started singing at one place. It's the strangest place. So we had to wait. They have all different kinds of sauces. Not the place that has 100 sauces, but they got all different types of sauces. We tried some. We had hot wings for sure, regular buffalo hot wings, which were delicious and hot, the perfect amount of hot. And then we got this uh, mix of teriyaki, hot, hot teriyaki garlic. It's making my mouth water thinking about it now even seeing the pieces of garlic on it. Because sometimes when it get hot, you'd see like the the pepper flakes on it, which was delicious. You know, it's too much, but it's, oh, it's so good. So this had like the, you know, just you could see the pieces of garlic and it was delicious, really good. And I, 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 this is the problem going with Evan. Every time he wants to share, you know, he wants to share. Oh, let's get a bunch of things. I'm like, I fucking hate that. I don't know how to tell him anymore. He just doesn't eat normal like we do or like I do. Well, nobody eats like I do. And I'm like, look, I just want to order my own thing. I want 25 wings. I want 25 of my own wings. We got 25 shared. And I'm like, I'm still hungry. 
which is probably best, but I'm just sick of it. Every time he's like, oh, let's get stuff to share. And I'm like, I, I don't know how many times I got to tell him I hate that. I can't stand sharing. I don't know what man does. So whatever. It doesn't matter. At that hour, I shouldn't be eating that much anyway, so I just kind of give in. But I, I really would have preferred my own individual order of ginger prawns. But anyway, it was still a, a successful another night out in uh, Montclair or Clifton, whatever the hell that was. I, I just know it was on the way home, and that's uh, my favorite way to go. Nobody likes going out of their way uh, when you got to get back late or whatever. And that pretty much covers everything uh, we did this week. I don't know. I mean, still, you got to watch Stupid Petrix because you never know when I'm going to appear. And you know what I'm talking about. Maybe they'll send me more stuff that I can post, which would be nice. I think people like it because I don't know who's watching TBS besides me. And, of course, I'm angry at the whole thing anyway because it takes away the Big Bang Theory that's on all night long. I'm like, oh, Jesus, they're putting this through. It's hilarious for me to be angry at a show I'm on because they're like, oh, there goes another Big Bang Theory episode I could have on in the background while I'm doing stuff. I mean, you got to be kidding me, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, this week on the Tuesday show... Uh, we will have this guy, Harmon Leone. You will meet him. He's a very interesting fella. Billy Joel is uh, Glass House's album wrap-up part two. And as for that, I don't I don't know what is happening. I think, oh, yeah, right. I'm going to Jordan. I'll tell you all about the rest of next week on next week's show, which would be the end of February already. Didn't we just say we just made it to February? I don't know. Whatever the case may be, so nice to be with everybody today. I'll see everybody next week on another exciting episode of Just Gal in the City. Good night, everybody. <laughs>